Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of The Leadership Habit, I sat down with sales leadership expert and strategist, Kelly Mark. Kelly has over 25 years of experience solution selling and managing successful sales teams. She helps them to focus on the pain points organizations face as the pace of technology continues to grow and change rapidly. Kelly consults companies as they search for expertise around integrating technologies as digital transformation and collaboration is at the forefront of any company strategy. Kelly began her career with Entrato, gaining unparalleled experience in the telecommunications space while also establishing herself as a respected sales leader. Currently working as an area vice president for Boss Solutions, Kelly is widely known for her collaboration technology strategy and consultative approach. She is consistently a top performer selling IT automation, collaboration technologies to key strategic partners in large global enterprises. Kelly's commitment to the evolving IT industry is showcased in her passion with her relationships with her customers, partners, and peers. I hope you enjoy the conversation as Kelly and I sit down to talk about how you can build and create sustainable relationships. Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall, and I'm so excited to be sitting down on this week's episode of The Leadership Habit with Kelly Mark. For those that are just getting to know Kelly, she is an area vice president of sales. And today we're going to be talking all about the art of building relationships, because let's say it, if we're breathing, we likely need a relationship. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this today, especially in the times we're in. This is an exciting topic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I think it's also a topic that we kind of forget, right? If we don't have that face-to-face interaction, how are we building these relationships or how are we even getting into touch with people if we can't do networking events or if we can't do so much and so forth? So yeah, I think it's a great time to have this topic and we haven't talked about sales in a, in a while here in the leadership habit. So I'm excited to just be talking about it because let's be honest, we're all in the business of influencing in some way. So Kelly, before we jump into it, just tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you become like, how did you, what was your career trajectory? How did you become interested in sales? Because I know that you've had a successful sales career. Clearly your, your area vice president of sales. Tell us how you came to be. Sure. Sure. It's such a great question. I mean, I never sought out to be in sales when I was growing up or even in my really young twenties. Um, but I grew up in Northern California and I, after high school, I was starting to go to college and I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I waited tables and I was a bartender and I was always in a relationship type of role, um, in everything that I had been doing. And I started, um, I actually met somebody as I was bartending who said, you would be really great at sales. And started working for a software company. I ended up uh, getting this job through somebody that was literally just a customer. And we hit it off. I ended up getting hired. I ended up on a very fast track, starting as a customer service rep, moving into a junior sales role, and then into a more of a leadership sales role there. And from there, it just started evolving. I started working for, you know, I, from there we were acquired. I, you know, moved over and started doing some dot-com uh, work because at the time in the late nineties, that was the big thing to do thinking I was going to make it really big. And unfortunately people around me made it big, but I did not. So I kept, kept working and, um, you know, through an evolution of different roles in sales, 
I ended up sitting in my hairdresser's chair one day, knowing that my job was going to come to an end. Um, it was a brand new division that, you know, just was coming to an end of life. And she said, you've got to meet my friend, Anna. She is amazing. She's dynamic. She runs the West Coast for an organization in tech. And I had a couple years under my belt at this point and ended up meeting her. And as I was sitting in front of her across her desk, she said, Kelly, I am hiring you and I'm not hiring you because of your skills. I'm hiring you because your energy, you're tenacious, you're alert, you're a good listener. Like I just connect with you so much that I can train you on anything you want to know. And so I'll train you on the technology part. And from there, it was history. I grew in that, uh, in that specific position and then ended up following her to a couple of additional companies and ended up back at the company she hired me. Um, and, and there I'd spent 20 years wow. at one organization, which evolved over time. We were acquired a couple of times over, but I really wore several different hats in the sales arena and built a very good reputation around my relationships. And, and my, when I say that, my relationships were very focused, not just externally with my prospects and customers, but internally within my organization, which is another element of how we sell, right? It's how we connect with people. So did that for 20 years. And then I ended up about a year ago during the pandemic, making a switch. It was just time for a change. And I currently work for a company called Boss Solutions. And it's really over the past 11 months that I've realized how critical and important the art of the relationship is. Because being somewhere for 20 years, you get comfortable, you know everybody, you are confident in your role and how the company works. And really making a jump after 20 years into this new role, I had to start over. I had to figure out the internal processes who I was working with internally, who, who my target ideal customer profiles that I was really focusing on building these relationships with and, and selling to, essentially. And quite frankly, it worked out in my favor of having some great initial first opportunities to sell into companies that, you know, Voss had not been a part of before. And it was all due to people I knew in the, in the industry and just people I knew in general. I love how that's already coming full circle of, you know, we're talking about uh, the topic of the art of building relationships. Yes. You recently began or transitioned to a different company within the last few years. And it's because of those relationships that you've established. I mean, one company for 20 years, I can only imagine how many people you met throughout that experience, right? But still coming back and recognizing that it's throughout all of those seeds that you planted really helped you find and create more success to where you are today. How did you become like, I mean, I love that you're that your friend had, or initially not your friend, but um, your colleague had initially point out, like, pointed out like your tenacity, your attitude, your ability to connect, your listening skills, all to say like, I don't even necessarily care what you know, but I know that you have this. It, but, and it sounds like it's a, a secret sauce. So how did you become interested in really like wanting to build relationships? That's such a great question. I think, I think of course, part of it's a little bit innate in who I am as a human being. And I think just the way I was raised, I, I always knew that what made me excited every day was connecting with people connecting with people on some level. 
And so, you know, as, as competitive as the job market is, whether it's today, right, 20, 25 years later, or even back then when I was sitting across the table from Anna, I knew that, you know, I needed to differentiate myself, right? So I needed to be different than what everybody else was doing. But I also knew that connecting with her personally first was going to help me in a professional way. And I guess what I mean by that is it's important to engage. It's not all about your goal and what you're focused on. I mean, obviously my goal was getting a new job. But outside of that, it was, I'm interview, I was interviewing her as much as she was interviewing me. And, and in order to really build and understand where you want to go, I think it's critical to connect with somebody on a human level. And so I think, I think that's just something that I've always been really focused on because of competition and because I wanted to be different. Right. And, and the challenges we have in today's world are different than back then, but we still have to absolutely differentiate us at the end of the day. Yeah. And let's talk about some of the challenges. And I love that it's like you initially chose, like, this will be my differentiator. Oh my gosh. I just wonder what a organization would look like if everyone legitimately, like all of their actions reflected making relationships a priority because you had said also like you want to connect at a human level picture if leaders were connecting with their staff at a human level all the time, just the success we could have, because we're going to talk about today, like the important things about relationships, but whether you're in a sales role or not, you're in the business of relationships. And so we're just talking about that. And so even if you're initially like, wait, but we're going to talk about sales. No, I want you to think about the insights Kelly is going to share with you of to how you can show up for your team, to how you can build better relationships with them. Kelly, what do you think is the most important thing to know right now as it relates to building relationships? And I know we're going to talk about it a little bit in the sales Mm -hmm. capacity, but like, what is important? right now? Oh, that is such a good question. I think right now, when I look at the job market or when I, when relationships in general, people are yearning for connection. So I think right in the here and now, there's a couple different components. One is we are going through a pandemic, hopefully at the tail end of that pandemic. And so we have to think about how we can connect with people in a different way than we've ever had to before. We may not be going into the office. We may be just on a lot of conference calls. You know, people are hurting. You know, people have got different circumstances happening in their personal life that we don't know about, right, when we're doing business. So how do you connect with them on that personal level? And it's really about asking questions, getting to know people you know, be leveraging video, right? It's, and, but it's, it's, it's starting off conversations and discussions without jumping into the goal or the purpose, connect with them, right? Connect with them on a personal level, because the chance, the chances are that they are going to appreciate that, especially in today's climate. Yeah. No one wants to, like, I love that you share that because 
no one wants to be, I mean, I think I would call it like networked on, or I think they call it the, um, the show up and throw up method Yes, where you don't care at all about maybe the person that you're talking to. You just want them to hear what you have to say. And that's for those that are unfamiliar with that phrase, that's really what that means, right? Show up and throw up. You're just giving them your pitch and you're not even getting to know them. Heck, you're probably not even aware if they're like, breathing, listening, you know, hungry, irritable, just because you are more focused at making sure that your topic or what you came to do is presented and put in front of them. Like I just, when you talk about right now that people are craving connection, that's like the worst thing that you could do right now is show up and throw up. Sorry to interrupt you on that. No, it's so true. And I think that's, I think that's really important to highlight, not only for people we may not know, very well, right. That we're trying to get to know, but also for any leader out there that is leading a team, it's really easy to jump into the meat of what needs to be discussed, whether it's a weekly team meeting or a business review or business planning or collaboration session, whatever that is. If you take a few minutes to connect with your people, it makes it helps build that trust, which I know we're going to talk about. Trust is such a big component of building those solid relationships. So I think, and I've had examples of that throughout my entire career. I've been very fortunate where I've worked for people that are connectors that are very good at it. So I've been able to emulate a lot of the things I've learned over time as well. Um, But it's important to highlight that it's not just when you're in front of a customer or prospect, it's internally too. So let's dive into it. I I know like we had a few questions drafted, but the one that I really actually want to start with for those that might be a little bit more intimidated, how do you even start a relationship? How do you start a relationship, whether it's with a prospect that could potentially invest in your product or services, or maybe even a new hire? How do you start? What do you think is the best way to actually go about starting a relationship or maybe initiating it? I love that question. So the I think starting it if you're talking about a prospect or you know, you know hopefully a new or a new customer someone from a business perspective externally without outside your organization I think I think in today the one thing to think about in today's world is information is available at everyone's fingertips so you can Google anything you can Google on a technology on you know a product on a service. It, most information is out there. So your buyers or the people that you're working with are savvier than they've ever been because they can quickly get access and gain access to whatever you have to offer. So I would like to set the stage there because we have to think three steps ahead. We have to think about who we are meeting with. How are we leveraging, whether it's social media, for understanding the buyer? Who are they? Where did they go to school? What are their hobbies? Like, are there things and areas that you can learn about those individuals that may help you connect with them? So, and, and not in an ingenuine way. I'm meaning in a genuine way. Maybe there's some common ground or some area you see that you've got something in common with that individual. So I think that's one component. As far as the company itself, um, outside of the buyer, It's ensuring you're doing your homework. It's making sure, are you listening to their investor relations call if they're a public company? Are you looking at their 10K report, which is in basically the the financial documentation? Are you looking at their website? Are you looking at who you're connected to that may be working at this organization? 
it's it's about doing your homework and less is more when you're relationship building. So in the world today, there's so many AI technologies where people are trying to touch hundreds of people in a very rapid way and hoping that it's a numbers game and something comes back. And those things are all important. They're very important in today's business. However, if you're talking about the relationship, it's it's really creating a smaller target list of people that you want to connect with, right? And and if you're if you're honing in and doing that in a smaller bite-sized way, you're able to carve out more time to do the work that's needed to really understand the client or potential client and who they work for. So sorry, I'm you know going on and on, but it's really important to make sure you're one step ahead, right? Before you even get on that first phone call or first live meeting. And I feel like that's a step that's often overlooked. Like sometimes the, you know, whether you're hiring a new person through your team, you may not even do the due diligence to like get to know them, look at their LinkedIn, understand like their background, what maybe experience they have, or even just scheduling that one-on-one, like tell me about you. Um, But this also brings me probably to my pet peeve that I've really seen over the last few years as LinkedIn obviously is a, a very, very like popular way for buyers to connect with potential sellers. I just find that I feel like very few salespeople on LinkedIn actually understand how to start a relationship. Or I feel like there was a minute where everyone would write something that was like, I really like the work that you're doing. Love, John. Not that they say love. Sorry. But like that's it. They were just these generic messages like, oh, it seems like you're doing really great work. And in my head, I'm like, first and foremost, do you not think I, cause it felt like there was a trend where that was the kind of technique that everyone yes. was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is no, no. Do you know how many messages I get? Like, what are you even doing? How are you trying to connect to me? All you're trying to do is sell me and I'm just never going to respond. But I do dislike that so much about LinkedIn because I feel like you have a lot of information at your fingertips, mm-hmm. yet you're not using it. You're just looking at my name, my title, and then you're trying to figure out if I can sell you something. Absolutely. And, like it just drives me bananas. So I love that you talk about doing your homework and actually get to know them at a personal level. Like you can give me really, I would call them like empty compliments, but that's not going to make me want to engage with me engage with you, nor is it going to make me want to trust you because I don't even know. And you're telling me that. Right. And I think it's all about, I call it earning the right, earning the right for them to take time to meet with you, right. Earning the right, right. You've got to earn the right with understanding them as a human, you know, a person earning the right to understand their company and maybe what's happening in that company. And then, then you can then then you can confidently ask for time, right? Which is very valuable for all of us. And and I love the point you make because I get hundreds of messages just like that every day on LinkedIn. And the only ones that I will take a step back and go, okay, this is really good, is if they're touching, they did their homework on the organization, so they know something specific about boss. If they know something or can connect with me on a personal level, they've done the research on me. Or they did something really fun and creative. That's another kind of component to kind of grab somebody's attention. Maybe they sent me a video snippet instead of just an email. And the video snippet was them. I've had one person who did such a great job. They held up like the white cards with writing on it and to, oh to get the appointment with information on it. And it was really creative and unique and different. So 
you've got to, you've got to think things through in that, in that regard. Yeah. And not just treat, like, don't just treat me like a transaction. I'm a human being. Um, And maybe I'm just a little too like sensitive to it because it really just drives me bananas. Anytime I see that someone, because I'm a coach. So on LinkedIn, I'll get a lot of the, I help coaches do X. And in my head, I'm like, great, but that doesn't mean that I need your help. (laughs) And I So telling me that I do great work and you work with coaches, I know you say the exact same thing to everyone. So that's also just it's like really bad pickup lines. How, how can we help people <laughs> yeah, right? learn better lines to connect with people? And I mean, I don't even accept those requests anymore just because I feel like I don't want them in my network. I don't want them to also reach out to anyone else in my network if that's the way that they go about it. But I know we're kind of going on a tangent. So let's, yeah. one of the things that sure. we talked about is, so that's kind of how to start a relationship, like doing yes. your homework, making sure that you understand that. And this goes again, if you're bringing someone onto your team, do your homework, get to know them, even down to having an open entry interview. That's like, what, how are you motivated? Um, how do you like to receive feedback? Like having those type of dialogues, or if you're going to actually try to sell someone, making sure that you actually get to know who you're selling to, and that you're not just doing the show up and throw up. Um, but now we're going to talk about how to build and sustain relationships or how to build sustainable relationships in a different way. And you have seven different ways that you recommend that if people were actually going to, you know, once they start that relationship, they do their homework. And then if they want to keep that going, the first place to start that you had said is to build value. Tell me more about that. Well, I think this is a great segue into what we just talked about. We talked about doing our homework first, right? Before you even get in front of that prospect, customer, um, client, et cetera. Once you have that, bring ideas to the table where you're not expecting anything in return, right? Have you ever thought about implementing this technology to to address the issue that I read about in an article about, you know, why companies. So you're, 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 you're bringing tidbits of information. Maybe you're targeting as an example, a chief information officer, their job is to have information on all the technologies in the market. And while they're smarter than ever before, because they have access to information, unless they have a pain point, they may not be in the know on some of the technologies. So maybe you're just saying, hey, did you know that this company just launched a brand new version of X software? I mean, you can bring value without really knowing exactly what, you know, what is going on in their business, but but continuing to deliver something of substance, right? That's happening. Market trends, industry trends, things like that. So I think that's a good way to start, right? To start that relationship off is bringing that value. I love that. Even it doesn't, it sounds like it doesn't even necessarily have to be something so grandiose or really expensive in terms of resources. It could be, Hey, did you see this new article that's in your industry that could be relevant to your organization here? Like, I just thought I would pass this by because I know this is something you're working on. I love that approach. Like no one has said to me anything in LinkedIn. That's like, Oh, John, I think that you, you know, would really appreciate having this. It's like, no, try my app so you can buy it. I'm like, but you're not telling me why you need that. So yeah, building value without expecting something in return. And it doesn't have to be grandiose. I think it probably just has to be genuine and and thoughtful. That's where you're doing your research. A hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. And it does work. It really does. I've had it work time and time again. 
Crosshelm is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crosscom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crosscom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crosscom.com. So then the second piece, so building value without expecting something in return. And again, this is where it comes down to, it's not always about your agenda. You've got to get into their agenda. And the second piece is all about, you had said, actively listen. So what are we looking yes. for? What are we listening for? So for salespeople specifically, I think there's a large percentage of us out there that have a hard time listening. <laughs> I mean, in all <laughs> I truth, show, I want to tell you what I have to offer. Is that <laughs> and talk? It goes back to the show up and throw up, right? So it's very important, critically important, to spend the first few meetings listening, data gathering, but listening. It's the whole 80-20 rule that we used to talk about. Really, they should be doing 80% of the talking and we should be doing 20. Because if we don't listen to what's going on in their world, what their pain points are, what their strategic initiatives are, we will have a really hard time bringing value with whatever we'd like to show or sell to that prospect. And so the listening is just, this is what I see most salespeople skipping over. They may think they're a good listener, but they're not really actively engaging and listening. So when someone feels heard, that's one piece of it, but it's listening enough to be able to understand exactly what's going on in their world. And that one is just critically important. Yeah. Um, what are my pain points? And that's where I also, you know, think about that. If you're trying to build the relationship, you're also talking at me sometimes when you don't do your research with very generic pain points that actually may not be relevant to me. Like I may not need the thing that they're selling and they're not even asking to see if that is mine. So and again, it's all about that, but I appreciate actively listening and the prescriptive advice of you know, I, I want to keep that in my head that they should be doing 80% of the talking and I yes. should only be doing 20%. So here's the rule. If you are trying to influence someone, you're trying to get to know them, build that relationship, practice the 80-20. I think that's a great way to go about it because yes, there's people like me that I love to talk, but I might be missing a lot of valuable information if I don't just zip my trap um, or just be asking very curious, open-ended questions and then just allowing them to think about it and respond. You know, I think that leaders even forget about that too. They just are so busy. It's that pushing, right? Like even leaders show up and throw up like push, push, push. And we don't even recognize like what's going on. And then we're not 
necessarily as adaptive leaders because we don't, we're making decisions off of or with limited information. So actively listen. Yeah. Actively listening. And I think in order to actively listen, you have to be present. And if you're not present, you're always thinking of what's next. That's when people start talking too much. That's when people are just jumping ahead rather than being in the moment. So I think that's another key buzzword to think about so that you can actively listen. So just another way of looking at that too. Yeah, I love that. So yeah. your third your third recommendation yes. is transparency. Yes. I thought you weren't supposed to share it all when you're building a relationship, <laughs> right? Especially if you're in sales. I thought you're supposed yeah. to keep some things close to the vest to aid in your negotiating power. I, <laughs> I mean, I think from that angle, you know, there's a time and the and a place for everything that makes sense. But I think, you know, when I look at my personal experience here at Voss, it's it's you know we're, we have our own proprietary technology. So um, what we're doing and what we're providing is a way to tailor automated technologies that do different things for different people and different customers. And the good news is is we can do almost anything. We've got open APIs which allow us to integrate into multiple technologies. The the part where we have to really watch how we position ourselves is some things we can do right out of the box today and some things may take development. And I've been in positions in my career where, you know, it's easy for sales folks to go, yes, 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 we can do it. Yes, yes, yes. Everything's a yes. When in actuality, it's not always a yes, right? There's things that have to be done in order to make it a yes. And so as important as it is to be able to provide these solutions, right, to these prospects and customers, it's really critical to be transparent because that's another trust building element to a relationship. Hey, you know what? We don't, here's what we do have today. Here's what we could explore, but we're, you know, we're looking at, it might be a six to seven month, you know, a timeline to be able to deliver that to you, but here's what we're committing to you on. So I think it's it's how you communicate and your delivery in that, but transparency is so important. I just experienced this with a recent partner that we've just were in the process of onboarding. And even if you even look at like the Zoom CEO, Eric, he does such an amazing job of building these relationships in the market with his customers. They had a huge security issue that happened about a year ago, but people were okay with it. He was transparent about it. He addressed it. He talked about when the solution was coming out and people were, people were totally comfortable and confident that it was going to get handled by the way he handles his customers. So I think it's, it's time for us to, to think a little bit differently, especially in sales, but for all of us to be a little bit more transparent. I think that's so important. Uh, you know, at Crosscom in September, and I just thought of this because one of the stories, we talked about a few different stories and examples of companies owning their mistakes, right? So one of the notable ones that came about that we talked about was, you know, decades old with Tylenol, Johnson & Johnson and people passing away and how they owned it. They took obviously very quick and swift action and were able to remedy it without necessarily a big drop in sales. And it's all because of how they manage that, their transparency. And even Netflix made price changes. And then that CEO was like, well, you know, apologize. Like, hey, I made a mistake. Let me yes. make it up to you. I think transparency goes a long way. And I also, oh, because you're hitting them, you know, when I think about sales, 
I'm such a skeptic, right? I'm very, very skeptical. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the fear of the oversell, the overpromise and underdeliver. And I recently Mm -hmm. made a big investment. Well, I made the investment probably in January, but still pretty recently. And when I was talking to the person, AKA the sales rep, before I was going to invest in this program, asking him all these questions, you know, he like made one, like, Hey, this is what they're going to do in the program. I asked specifics about it. He lied. <laughs> like, uh, but here's like, here's the piece yes. is like, is it a lie or is it that your lack or miscommunication or your lack of people having proper training and awareness around your what mm-hmm. you truly can do. Like, was that just a sign of like, there's a complete operational breakdown and this is why this individual presented that in that way. Right. Or was he really just trying to get me to buy? And I did eventually buy, but I've now the trust is completely broken. Like I don't even right. want to like very much work with that organization. It was a pretty happy price tag. I invested in it. They overpromised and under delivered and he sold it one way than what it was actually like what it was. And like, I just can't, I will never invest, tell anyone to invest yeah. in that program. Right. Um, right. I mean, they, or I'll say like, let me tell you what it really is. Like, here's a perfect example. So, um, I'm in a speaking business, right. And in this program, they were like, we'll give you leads to organizations that you can reach out to, to speak for. And these, when I asked the leads, I'm like, Oh, are you giving warm leads? Are you giving cold leads? And he's like, Oh, we're giving warm leads. I'm like, wow, like that's incredible. And a warm lead for those that might be unfamiliar or someone that could be a little bit closer to you at a relationship level. So then it might be built easier to make that move forward. Whereas a cold lead is someone that you maybe have limited or no experience with, and you're just making an outreach. It's cold. And so he told me they were all going to be warm, that they had this established partnership. They're all cold. Everything was like a a lie. And it's just so frustrating because now the other people that I've even interfaced with that are a part of that organization, I have a reluctance to trust them right? because I just assume that like that one person that they're all kind of, I don't know that again. So over-promising and under-delivering like that, that's what happens when you're not transparent. I you think can- that's what happens. Yeah. When you're not transparent, I think you bring up a couple of things that I think are really important. Number one, communication, but communication, you have that communication with the sales rep, right? It's, it's ensuring too that, I mean, as a salesperson, we need, it's our job to make sure that there's no breakdown. And because what do you want for your customer? If you don't want them to have a return on investment, then you shouldn't be in sales. And, and that happens to your point. Now your ROI is affected by what you invested in. It's the same in any business. It's in, it's the same in anything we do in our personal lives when we go buy a product or a service or you know a solution. It's you've got to make sure that the expectations are clear, they're in writing, and that the salesperson needs to make sure that they understand the ROI that's expected from their from that provider. Right? What is the ROI that they're expecting? Because at the end of the day, don't you want somebody to go refer you to someone else, right? Especially big ticket items. So it's, you got to look at the long game. You got to, you don't look at the immediate whippersnap. I want the sales and I'm just going to go sell, sell, sell. You got to look at the long game of how it's going to impact your reputation, long-term business. But it's really about ensuring that you're on the same page with the ROI expected and that you have, you really want it, that stuff in writing too. 
my gosh, that you know, I will never probably like do that again without getting yeah. everything in writing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in, in the line of men, people tried to sell to speakers, coaches all the time, right. Yeah. As individual entrepreneurs. And I think there are a lot of people that are still a little newer to maybe mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur. And so you are more vulnerable to, I would say, misrepresentation of sales promises or ROI. I mean, I think my favorite kind of hook that lives in the coaching space is like six months to six figures. Watch me give you, make you a million dollar X. And it's just so interesting because I, if you look at the statistics, only 6% of people that are entrepreneurs actually get to an above a six figure income. And so then it's just, there's so much misleading things because it's all about the spin, but we're not going, I mean, there's so many different ways I could go. Probably speaking from pain. We could talk about this all day. Well, yeah. (laughs) And this is also about reminding you of what not to do, like not to sell something that has a misleading hook or that doesn't, that won't realistically actually get you the ROI that you're saying that they will. Because once you do that, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I forget if I'm, this is a legitimate stat real time, but I thought what I had heard is that an upset customer will go out and tell 15 of their friends how bad it was to do business with you. Whereas someone that's happy, will still probably only tell like one to two friends. So mm-hmm. if you make someone upset, they're going to let everyone know. And obviously yeah. with social media, you can do that so fast to so say your reputation can be changed in a second. Um, so again, like transparency is huge. And maybe that's because I think it all really comes down to the value of like integrity and how you do your business. Right. Um, Right. And you want testimonials, you want positive testimonials, right. Or case studies, depending on what you're doing, but yeah, you got to look at that long game. That's just, that's so important. So number four, understand the different type of buyer. Oh my gosh. I wish everyone understood this one. Why don't they know it? (laughs) What does that mean? Well, I think it's important to look at a couple things when you are in a position where you're building a relationship and you are looking to sell something. Number one, it's the personality type, right? And then number two, it's what, what is their role within the organization? So we talk about personality type first. There's different types of personalities. There's the connector like us, right? And we're talking about how to become more of a connector. But there's also the analytical, you know, there's the, you know, reserved. There there are different types of personalities where you kind of have to, you know, maneuver and tweak the way you work with them based on their personality. You come in all raw, raw, ready to, you know, that's my personality. I'm a raw, raw, you know, high energy. I can be too much for people and that's okay. It's knowing what type of buyer you're dealing with so that you can at least, maybe you can't become analytical per se as an analytical person, but you can come down to their, you know, to where they are. I shouldn't say down because it sounds negative, but you can tweak the way you work with them based on the type of personality type they are, right? So maybe you are working with an analytical person and you need to come to the table with more numbers, numbers, percentages, stats. Um, maybe you're working with somebody that doesn't give a lot of information. So you've got to, you know, slowly prod, you know, you've got to slowly work and massage that relationship because it might take a little longer to get something out of them. So it's just looking at the different types of personalities. The other side is, who are you buying to? So for me, 
I'm buying in the IT organization or I'm selling into the IT organization for the most part. There are other buyers and customer success and customer experience. And there's also the procurement, right? The person that's in charge of the money, the vendor manager, the person that wants to work on, I'm going to beat the salesperson up until I get the price I want. And so you have to think, how do they work? So the procurement vendor manager is a great example because we are in conflict. I'm trying to sell services. They're trying to save the company money. So how do you create a win-win, right? How do you come in with a win-win mindset? How do you look at getting transparent with what do you need to do to be successful in your role? I want to know because there may be a creative way that we can work together. Maybe we stagger the way you pay. Maybe we you know, focus on a more cost-effective solution for the first 12 months. I mean, there's different ways to learn about these different roles so that you can create a win-win because maybe it's doing that for that buyer. But in the long run, you know, the ROI is going to be so great. They're going to be happy in the long run anyway. Um, but it's understanding who they are because it's easy to butt heads. This is the price. This is what you're going to do. Is No, that might not be the way you can work with that specific organization. So just thinking about the actual buyers that you're in front of as well. You know, I think that's a valuable insight. Again, I think for what maybe it's just that people don't know. Maybe it's that they, you know, have so much ego that they're like, well, whatever I'm saying is the best anyway. So then they don't even think about the other person. But I do think people oftentimes really forget that important piece and leaders too, right? For bringing it into what it truly is, is adaptive leadership. If you want to get someone to do something on your team, you don't get to lead all of them the same, just like you can't sell to every buyer in the same way. I had a friend that he is really successful in sales. And one of the things that he said, and sorry if I'm offending any engineers, but he had said, if you're selling to a group of engineers, you're going to need an hour. If you're selling to anyone else, you'll need 15 minutes. And really his point in saying that is we have different personalities type. So we process information in different ways. Yes. We might need more time. We might need less time. I'm more impulsive. So I probably will need less time. My husband is an engineer and he typically needs more time to like really think through and research that. But so many people sometimes look at that as like a, a barrier. Oh my gosh, they're too different. Or, oh my gosh, it's that. No, it's preparation. Just think about what, think about it from their perspective, knowing that we could continue to go on. So yeah, understand your type of buyer. The next piece that you had said, so number five is to build trust. And I, I love talking about trust. Here's a quick plug. Next month for Crestcom, our webinar, our complimentary webinar is all about building trust. So please join us at the end of September. But tell me, Kelly, like, how do you even like, what are the ways that we can build trust? And also what are the ways that we can break it? <laughs> we yeah, talked about I a few think, already. I think, um, I think every step that we have talked about leads up to step five, right? Every, the building value without expecting something in return, the active listening, the transparency, the understanding the different buyers and connecting with them. That Those are all baby steps and key steps in order to build trust. I think to add to that, it's, you know, it's delivering, right? It's everything that you said, you're, all of the commitments that you have made, that you're pulling those through, that you're following up. I think, um, you know, ensuring that you're acting, your actions are based on everything that you've committed to. So I think that's really important. I think communication is also a really big one. It's easy to be busy. We're all multitasking. We're all doing a million things at once. But 
giving head, you know, being proactive and, Hey, I'm going to deliver this proposal to you on this date. Um, how about, you know, working together on this demo for the, for this timeline. If, if you feel like you're going to miss something, communicate. If you, um, you know, it's just following through and over committing or not over committing, over communicating in some sense of the word, you don't want to communicate just to communicate. But if you have something to say, it's, it's really important to pull that through. Um, especially with action items and owning the relationship, taking that ownership. So I think communication, I think, you know, exceeding expectations and making sure that you're following through on your commitments. I think what breaks trust is the opposite of that, right? It's saying you're going to do something by a certain date, missing that date. Number one, you're missing it. Number two, you're missing it, maybe not even communicating about it proactively. Um, I think, you know, selling something or providing something to someone where it doesn't give the results that they were expecting, that's going to break trust. So it's really, that's why all these steps are just so important so that the communication is open and that you are continuing to do what you say you're going to do. So it's not only what you say, it's your actions behind that. I like that example of like what you say, because I think that Initially, there's that certain level of trust that's established. And I think about the example that's coming to mind is we had to have some landscaping done, some trees trimmed. And when um, the individual came to give the assessment, you know, it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed him. He seemed super knowledgeable. It was fun to learn about the vegetation in my yard. Fast forward to like me being so excited. We found all this common ground and then fast forward to missed, like they just the first one, they rescheduled the service and said for X, Y, and Z reason, they couldn't do it. The next one, they never even called me and said they were going to miss it. So then I had to call them. And then I did give them an ultimatum because it was six weeks. And I'm like, if you can't do this tomorrow, I'm going to go with someone else. And this is what floored me is that the CEO actually messaged me and said, we don't operate under that. Like you can find another person. And I was like, that's totally fine. But if you want to say that, then I'm also going to assume that you never had an intent or ability to actually meet your expectations. You couldn't own it. You couldn't communicate to me. And I had to follow up and say, Hey, you were supposed to be here at eight and you're not here. Oh, you guys just forgot to tell me that you weren't coming. But I was just so taken aback by noticing that, um, the CEO's approach. I'm like, right now, I think people will give a lot of empathy to small business owners, knowing that staffing is hard, but if you don't own it, it's really hard for me to work with. Yes. And that's when, when I have to like invest my time, that's when I start to get frustrated, but I'm glad that, to talk about that because now it's broken. And of course I went right to the Yelp page and was like, yes. let me tell you my awful experience yes. that I had. I never want anyone to experience this. And I'm actually a good writer. And so you don't yes. want like, no, I shouldn't be that. Um, but it's, we don't want yeah. that. And I, I, right. I mean, speaking of all my pain points in terms of sales, but this is why trust is so important. And even if you can't meet something, that is where it comes back to transparency and ownership. Absolutely. Like, own it and communicate. And so, mistakes are going to happen, right? Mistakes yeah, will happen. It's inevitable. The key there, and I always like using this analogy, it's like a bank account. You want to be in the positive. You want the deposits to continue, right? When you get into the negative, that means you've been making mistake after mistake and you, you've lost the trust. You want to continue to provide value and be good with your word and 
over deliver and set the right expectations and communicate. And that all builds this positive flow in your account. But it is, you know, and, and if you have a lot built up, one mistake's going to bring you down, but it's not going to bring you in the negative. So right. I love using that because it's all about how much you're contributing and giving. And, and I think saying that we never make mistakes is unrealistic, right? That's going to happen. It's how do you handle it? Yes. So what do you do? Like, how can you leverage the relationship or continue to move forward once that trust has been established? So we talked about, you know, essentially when you have that point of trust, you likely have a deeper relationship with that person. Maybe, you know, more personal things about them. Maybe you just feel like you, they're more dependable, but what can you do once the trust and value has been built to the customer or, you know, to your employee? Yeah, I think this is once that is established, this is really critical because this is where some salespeople disappear. They've built trust, they've sold their stuff, and then where are they? They're they're MIA, right? They're not, they're barely connecting and communicating with maybe the same customer as an example. This is where you have to continue to show up, right? This is where we go back to step one, bringing value without expecting anything in return, right? You're continuing to engage. And hopefully when you build trust and you have, you finally have this customer, the goal and the hope is that not only do you develop your relationship into a stronger relationship, but you know the account and the company more, right? So then you can dig in and look at other parts of their business, but are there other areas of value you can bring? maybe without a sale, but maybe they're just ideas. So continuing down that path is very important, bringing value, staying engaged, um, open communication, quarterly business reviews, where you talk about the trends of what they're doing in their business. And, and it's an open discussion, what's working and what's not working. What do we need to do differently and more of and better? So it's it's continuing down that journey. And I think I think, you know, it's important to ensure that you've got folks that are doing that, right? You've got the sales, um, you know, the sales strategy around around continuing to bring that value. And then there are other little things that you can do. I mean, you stay connected through LinkedIn, um, you know, from there, hopefully you can ask for referrals. But one thing that I really like doing is, you know, some people do client gifts. I know something, you know, some accounts and companies in the market are very strict on gift giving. But one thing that I think that's gone away because of technology, right? We've got email, we've got texting, but a lot of things that we can do. But personal cards, writing a personal card and sending it in the mail is such, it's been such a game changer for me personally in my business. I've had VPs reach out to me to say, I haven't received a card in the mail in 10 years. And wow. thank you. Thank you. And it could be just, thank you for your business. It could be on a personal topic. It could be, hey, I've got an idea. Call me. It doesn't have to be a substantial message, but personal cards are, I think, in, at least in my business, they've been a game changer for me. Well, I think that's a you know, I love that you bring that up because it is a really important piece. A lot of people do operate on autopilot once the sale is made or the set and forget, and, you know, now we've made this and they forget about keeping that relationship going that even if they might be done using your services, maybe it was a one-time thing. 
that you, you have no idea who they could connect you with or who else you could potentially provide value for. And right. I love the idea of even just writing someone a message that's just saying a, a handwritten card, like, Hey, I just wanted to check in. I hope that you're well, I noticed this and you're not trying to sell anything, or maybe you're then also providing value by sharing an insight that they haven't realized. But I like the check-in when there's nothing to gain from it. It's just yeah. truly to say like, how are you? I think that that's beautiful. And I'm just trying to think if I ever had that. I don't know if I've ever had that with anyone. Yeah. Yep. I think I would appreciate that a lot. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's, it, and I, I, I mean, I know I love receiving cards too. So it's, you know, it's a reciprocated thing. I love, I love sending them and I love receiving them. And it's definitely, it's definitely a game changer in the business world in today's, in today's environment. Kelly, thank you so much for the conversation today. Just so many great insights and perspectives. I mean, again, I want to remind myself 80% of someone else should do 80% of the talking. I do 20% of the listening. Like there's so many things that I want to really like walk away and do differently, but really at that, you know, the one other thing I wish everyone would remember is just being, you know, taking ownership, being transparent, and then doing your research. Please, as a result of listening to this, do not send me another LinkedIn request selling me something that I have no desire to learn, like buy, yeah. <laughs> or at least try to get to know me and make a connection. I don't know, draw up where I went to school. But Kelly, thank you so much for all the tips, techniques, and insights that you've shared with us. It's been a great conversation. And just out of curiosity, how can people get in touch with you? How can they connect with you? Maybe they've got questions offline. Where would you, where can they go? Uh, the best place to go would be LinkedIn, <laughs> as we've been talking about LinkedIn today. And I'm just under Kelly Mark. So um, you can find me there. That's the best way to get a hold of me. I'm on other social media outlets, but I'm probably in LinkedIn the, the most out of everything. Oh and thank you so much for having me. This conversation, I think, is so it's so needed. It's so important. And I, you know, going back full circle to when we started this conversation, you know, with the pandemic, people are yearning for connection. They really are. Um, and I think some of these tips are a great way to get there. Yeah. Connect with people and see them build the human connection. Yes. Hopefully that's what like one thing yes. you took away too. All right. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you, Jen. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Leadership Habit, where Kelly and I talked about building relationships. I hope that you walked away with some great insights and techniques or tips that you can implement to build better relationships. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. If you want to connect with Kelly, you can connect with her on LinkedIn. You can find her at Kelly Mark and a reminder, she works for Boss Solutions. I'm sure that you could reach out to her with any of your relationship building challenges or even just how to get your foot in the door in this pandemic world. Thank you so much for listening today. Until next time.